The following is a message by Dr. John Fesco from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Let's bow together in a brief word of prayer. Let us pray. Father, we're grateful that uh, you give us time to rest, to reflect, and to meditate upon your word. We pray that as we do so this morning, that you would enlighten our eyes uh, and give us the ability to see clearly, that we would perceive Christ, embrace him by faith, and that you would, by uh, the power of your gracious spirit, produce that fruit which uh, you uh, have ordained for us uh, to yield. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this morning, uh, we're continuing the uh, chapel series on the fruit of the Spirit, and so I will go ahead and read uh, that particular passage, a couple of verses from Paul's uh, fifth chapter in Galatians, and then uh, we will reflect this morning uh, briefly, upon the fruits of kindness and goodness. So let's give attention to the reading of God's word, beginning in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Uh, brothers and sisters, I think it's fair to say that uh, since the fall, uh, since the entrance of sin into the world, there are many times, I think, when we look out into the world, whether it be through history, as we read history books, or perhaps even in our own day, uh, as we look into the media, as we look into our community, and we can think at certain times that kindness and goodness have all been but eclipsed in our world. I mean, you see all sorts of cruelty and incivility. Now, this doesn't mean that there is absolutely no kindness or no goodness in the world. I think, for example, when uh, somebody has a car accident, usually people uh, rush to the scene to see what they can do to help see how they can assist the injured. But nevertheless, I think that you can look very closely and very quickly you can begin to see the inhumanity and the cruelty of people surface quite quickly. I think one of the most prominent places where I see this surface very regularly is, say, on the comment thread uh, on a particular uh, article or a blog post uh, on the internet. To me, it is amazing, amazing how rapidly uh, the comments can just circle the drain of cruelty and incivility. In one random article that I uh, perused, I was preparing this message, so I thought, well, let me just test this out and see. So I selected a random article, and I looked at the comments thread, and it was just the second comment uh, on this article. Uh, Never heard of you. I doubt anyone ever will. You're not funny. You're a worthless, stupid expletive. Uh, stop wasting precious air and hold your breath forever. I thought, wow. <laughs> I mean, I love you too. Um, you know, 
uh, you know, it's, it's really quite sad. And in fact, in listening uh, to NPR, um, I was in a rental car and the knob was broken on the radio. I couldn't change the channel. Um, I was listening to the radio and uh, they talked about some companies taking the comments section down from their, uh, their articles and from their, from their uh, blog sites just because of the incivility that occurs so quickly. So certainly we see unkindness and incivility and anything that we would say is anything but goodness rule the day, whether on internet comment threads, uh, blogs, Twitter, you see it in the media when it comes to road rage, uh, you know, political ads. But sadly, we also can say that we find a lack of kindness and goodness even in the church. I mean, it should not be so, but it is sadly the case. You know, the, the, the first thing that comes to mind, and I'm not sure why, but it just has stuck with me ever since I read about it, was at the Synod of Dort, 16, 18, 19. It's essentially this gathering of uh, amazing uh, theologians and pastors as they sought to respond uh, to the challenge of Arminianism uh, to the churches there in the Netherlands. And uh, uh, one of the, the, or two of the participants there had become so angered at each other uh, about debating lapsarianism. We're not talking about, you know, the gospel. We're not talking about justification. We're not talking about the deity of Christ, but we're talking about one of the finer points of doctrine that theologians have agreed to disagree upon and still hold one another in good, uh, you know, in good esteem. They were so upset at each other that they challenged each other to a pistol duel. You know, pistols at dawn. Now, blessedly, uh, somebody uh, worked behind the scenes and said this really wouldn't be a good idea. Uh, you know, we're trying to keep good PR here and having you two gun each other down on the lawn uh, wouldn't really contribute to that. So we find it everywhere, and sadly, even in the church, which should give us great pause. Uh, we need the fruit of the Spirit, even and especially within the church. So as we reflect here uh, briefly upon kindness and goodness, uh, I want us to, you know, think about it, ask what it is, as well as identify its source. And then what I want us to do is think about manifesting kindness and goodness, how we might go about that. But I want us to think about it from a slightly different perspective in reflecting upon it uh, from two places that we might not ordinarily reflect upon it. So keeping that in mind, let's first define kindness and goodness. It should be no surprise to us, uh, brothers and sisters, that uh, you know, the, the scriptures identify God, our triune God, is supremely the one who manifests goodness to his creation. Psalm 31 verse 19 says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sigh of the children of mankind. Yes, the psalmist talks about goodness being distributed there to his people, but even he discusses in terms of the sigh of the children of mankind so that there is a sense in which God dispenses his goodness to the entire creation. I think one of the interesting points here is that in the Old Testament, kindness... The word, the English word kindness, is often the English translation for hesed. That phrase that we know, that term that denotes the covenant faithfulness of God or his covenant love. 
Isaiah 63, 7, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Here, goodness and steadfast love kind of going around and around in that verse from Isaiah. Or from Ruth chapter 2, verse 20, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. So here it's easy to see that it is God who supremely embodies, if you will, kindness and goodness. But when we hold goodness, the goodness of God, the kindness of God up to human kindness and goodness, we can certainly say that we fall short. Romans chapter 3 verse 12, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So certainly I think there are times when we can look into the society and we can see acts of kindness and goodness. But I think it's often the case that if you were to look at a white sheep upon, say, a green background, you might think, oh, look, that that sheep looks uh, pretty clean and pretty white. But if you were to take that same sheep and place it in a freshly fallen field of snow, you might say, wait a minute, that, that sheep is actually pretty dirty when you come to think about it. You know, so I think that's the sense is when we compare our own kindness and goodness, especially that in, uh, of fallen sinners, to the kindness and goodness of God, there is a, a, a magnificent difference, you know, uh, the greatest of distance. And yet we should recognize that when we are comparing ourselves to God, ultimately, we should look first and foremost and chiefly at Christ. Because we can say that Christ is the chief manifestation of God's kindness and goodness to the fallen creation. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and following. He says, by grace you have been saved, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So once again, I mean, in one sense, you kind of know where I'm going with this as I've been doing this series, is that you always want to hold up Christ as you you seek to define what the fruits of the Spirit are. Not just generic notions of kindness, not just generic notions of goodness, but as we look and seek to define it and understand what it is, that we would seek these things first and foremost in Christ, firstly in Him. Well, if that's the case, then this is where we want to locate the source, if you will, the fountain of kindness and goodness in our own Christian walk. Romans chapter 15, verse 14, Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. I think that Paul is not going to overturn everything that he has written in the previous 14 chapters of Romans, especially in chapters 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, when he's talking about the relationship between justification and sanctification, or more abstractly, when we're talking about the relationship between the indicatives of Scripture, who we are in Christ, who is the source of our righteousness, who is the source of our holiness, who is the source of our kindness and goodness. 
in terms of how those indicatives relate to the imperatives of Scripture. In other words, that we should be kind, we should be good. But in this particular case, when Paul says that I am sure that you are full of goodness, I think we could legitimately gloss that as saying that you are full of Christ. You are full of Christ. And in fact, I think Paul quite explicitly uh, links the indicative of goodness, whose source we find in Christ, to the imperatives of goodness when he calls the church to manifest this particular virtue. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, in the latter half of verse 8, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and righteous and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and righteous and true. Well, I think chiefly this means that we must first and foremost look to Christ, as He is, as I said, that, that the perfect manifestation of the kindness and goodness of the triune God. And as you seek to manifest kindness and goodness in this world, whether in the church or beyond, you want to seek the fountain and source of kindness and goodness, Christ through the power of the Spirit. In this sense, remember, take a look at the Westminster Confession of Faith and what it says about saving faith. And that our saving faith is by faith alone. I mean, sorry, our, our sanctifying and our progress in sanctification is by faith alone, is what the Westminster Standards say. So that you don't, you're not good, you're not kind by simply trying to be good and trying to be kind. But rather, as you seek Christ through the means of grace, by faith alone in Him, He, through the means of grace and the power of the Spirit, enables you to be kind. He enables you to be good, to manifest these virtues, both within and without the church. But it's particularly Paul's words there in Ephesians 5.8 that I want us to think a little bit more about as we seek to identify this second chief point in this morning's devotion, uh, as we seek to manifest kindness and goodness. Paul says in Ephesians 5.8, again and following, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and righteous and true. Or perhaps you remember Paul's words in Philippians where he says, you know, whatever is kind, whatever is just, whatever is true, think upon these things. In this sense, I want to encourage us, and this may be, you know, this may seem slightly, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, slightly the, the wrong place to find it. But we can all agree that Christ is the chief manifestation of kindness and goodness. And we can all agree that by drawing nigh to Christ, we can further be conformed to the image of Christ and thereby manifest kindness and goodness. But there are two other sources that we should consider as we seek to manifest kindness and goodness. Now, this may seem counterintuitive, but the first place I want you to look and meditate upon through the lens of Scripture is the world. I want you to think about that. Now, I just said at the beginning of the message that it seems as though the light of kindness and goodness has expired and been eclipsed by the darkness of, of sin and wickedness, of incivility and cruelty. But that's not entirely the case. 
The fruit of light is found in all that is good and righteous and true. Now, remember, I don't think that Paul is saying that unbelievers can manifest saving righteousness. We know that only Christ gives us saving righteousness. But I don't think that Paul is making a blanket statement against every single thing that fallen human beings do. On this particular point, I want to read you, it's it's not a very lengthy quote, but I want you to read you this quote, and I want you to listen to what this author has to say. He says, talking about the line of Cain, which we know in Scripture that the line of Cain was the cursed line. It's not the line of Abel. So we might think, well, there's nothing useful in the line of Cain. Let us know then that the sons of Cain, though deprived of the spirit of regeneration, were yet endued with gifts of no despicable kind. Just as the experience of all ages teaches us how widely the rays of divine light have shone on unbelieving nations for the benefit of the present life, and we see at the present time that the excellent gifts of the Spirit are diffused through the whole human race. Talks about the diffusion of the gifts of the Spirit to the whole human race. Not saving gifts, mind you, but what we might say is common grace gifts. Moreover, the liberal arts and the sciences have descended to us from the heathen. We are indeed compelled to acknowledge that we have received astronomy and the other parts of philosophy, medicine, and the order of civil government from them. Nor is it to be doubted that God has liberally enriched them with excellent favors that their impiety might have the less excuse. But while we admire the riches of his favor which he has bestowed on him, let us still value far more highly that grace of regeneration with which he peculiarly sanctifies his elect unto himself. He's not saying these graces are, uh, you know, uh, you know, saving graces. He's saying they're common. But nevertheless, they are as the result of the work of the Spirit in this world. Now, just so that you don't think that I've fallen off the Reformed wagon, that was Calvin, you know. So that's about as Reformed as you can get, Right? Now, so what this means is that is when you look into the world, we could potentially have the inclination to think that everything that the world does must automatically be wrong. I mean, some days you watch the news and you think that that's the case. But whenever you see goodness or kindness in the world, give thanks for it. Because it's ultimately the source of that kindness and goodness is not, you know, the the stout, uh, triumphant, fallen human heart, but rather it's the Spirit of God and His gifts of common grace. But it should inspire you to say that if this is the capacity of fallen humanity to exercise this modicum of kindness or goodness in a sin-fallen world, then how much more should the church of Jesus Christ be enabled to manifest kindness and goodness because we have received the gift of effectual calling and of justification and of sanctification and we have the spirit of the living God indwelling us. I think that there are many times, sadly, when the kindness and the goodness of the unbelieving world far exceeds what we find within the church. But secondly, and lastly, uh, once again, this may seem counterintuitive to some. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But we should meditate and reflect upon the law. 
I mean, I think so often we think of ter in, in terms of the law, in terms of its accusatory function, its pedagogical function, that it's there to condemn our sin. And absolutely, yes it is. But we mustn't forget how we in the Reformed tradition have affirmed what we call the third use of the law, the normative use of the law. In other words, or in terms of what the Westminster Confession says, we don't look at the law as a covenant, that which requires perfect obedience. But rather, we look at the law as a rule, that which guides us, that which tells us what is good, acceptable, and pleasing to God. Paul says this clearly. Romans 7:12, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. If the law is a reflection of the lawmaker, then how do we know what is pleasing to God? How do we know what is good? How do we know how to conduct our lives in a good and kind manner? We look into the law. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Maybe we're not kind. Maybe we're not good enough in terms of exercising those virtues of kindness and goodness to those around us, maybe because we don't meditate upon the law. Maybe that's the case. Can we say that we meditate upon it day and night? Maybe not. Maybe we're meditating upon Greek and Hebrew paradigms, which are good, but maybe we should meditate upon the law day and night. The law discloses what is pleasing to God, what God expects of us, it also drives us to remember how God has been so gracious to us by not exacting the demands of the law, but rather forgiving us of our sins and sending the mediator. It also, I think, it many times shows how we can be gracious and deal kindly and in goodness with others. I think in this respect, a good exercise to enable you and to help you to meditate upon the law and to reflect upon it is look at the shorter catechism and see what it has to say about the Ten Commandments. Read the Heidelberg Catechism, see what it has to say about the Ten Commandments. I think those are very helpful in that regard. So, beloved, in an ever-increasingly unkind and cruel world, we should desire to manifest this fruit of the Spirit, kindness and goodness, when we recognize that we've been the recipients of God's kindness and goodness in Christ, then I think we have an excellent foundation from which we ourselves can manifest these fruits. And with the corrective lenses of Scripture, we can learn, I think, from the kindness and goodness that we do see in the world, but especially by meditating upon the law of God, we can know what kindness and goodness are, and we can seek to manifest it into the church to the glory of our triune God. Let's pray very briefly. Father, we give you thanks for the kindness and goodness you have shown us in Christ. Have mercy upon us, we pray, that indeed we might be a kind and good people, not for our name's sake, but that we might testify to the world of the kindness and goodness that you have shown us in Christ. We pray that above all else, your church would be the place where people, both within and without the church, see your kindness and goodness in word, thought, and deed. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You're dismissed.
Copyright 2014, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.